managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Executive Director of Massachusetts Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers and Director of LCL's Massachusetts Law Office Management Program. Improving the lives of attorneys by offering free and confidential help for Massachusetts attorneys on issues ranging from depression and addiction to help on how to improve their business practices. For more information, visit our websites at www.lclma.org and www.masslomap.org. I'd like to take this time to thank our sponsors, Firm Manager by LexisNexis, a cloud-based case management solution. So getting into today's uh, conversation, one of the biggest challenges facing attorneys, young and old, is how to develop and maintain a client base. One of the most fundamental methods of developing clients is to create a good referral network. Often the referring network consists of other attorneys, but it is, there's really no better referral network than established professionals that have a consistent flow of potential referrals to make and which do not require the attorney to send them a referral fee. And ethically, the attorneys cannot send them a referral fee. Examples of these type of referring agents are accountants, doctors, healthcare professionals, real estate agents, and brokers. While these referring agents are key, many attorneys have no idea how to develop those relationships, how to sustain those relationships, and the most common reasons they are losing those referring sources. To help us sort out these issues, I've invited my friend, Linda Okineski, the broker owner of REMAX Heritage, with four offices in Melrose, Reading, North Reading, and Wakefield, Massachusetts. Linda is a master marketing and salesperson in the real estate field and has an awful lot to share in regards to her 20-plus years working with and referring clients to attorneys. Linda, thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here, Rodney. Well, thank you. Uh, so, you know, I know that you're really an expert about marketing and sales in the real estate industry. I've seen that personally. Uh, but it seems to me like that truly the real estate marketing and the legal industry are really not that that different as far as marketing challenges. And one of those is how to develop strong leads from influential professional referring agents. So what I'd like to discuss a little today is the question of how do I, as an attorney, develop those relationships with those potential professional marketing or referring agents? Well, Rodney, I'd like to start with the big key difference between a real estate agent and an attorney. They have very different uh, and very distinctive expertises. And let's face it, real estate agents our marketers, they are very social, they're emotional for the most part, they're emotional decision makers, and the reason we need, need attorneys is because they're very logical and analytical. And as a result, real estate agents are much easier, it's easier for real estate agents to do that kind of marketing for themselves, and what I find is attorneys for the most part are really crummy marketers, but that's what makes them good attorneys. So I think that 
all attorneys are looking to go out and establish those relationships and build that referring force, referring base, um, need to go out to their sphere of influence and really reach out its face-to-face. It's not, there's no simple formula, Rodney, but there are some great just principles that I think people, any attorney can use that will help. And it starts with this. Don't be afraid to ask for business. I think that attorneys feel like if they've done a really good job for their clients and have been able to demonstrate that to an agent, that logically um, that uh, that agent should recognize it and send them business. That's just not the way it works. Um, it, I would. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I, <laughs> I'm on. You're on a roll here, and I'm interrupting. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> not a, not at all. Um, but okay. So, but I think that's hard for attorneys to do. You know, it's hard to ask for business, but it's the most elementary way anybody gets business. It's simply to to say, I'm here to be a resource to you. If you have any legal questions, even if they have nothing to do with the deal you and I are engaged in, please don't be afraid to reach out to me. Um, That's the way you start a relationship. So you want to be a good resource and you're going to ask. But you know what happens too is that attorneys ask once and they think that's it. In fact, If you want to build relationships and build your sphere of influence, you need to keep reminding people that you're there for them. And I think that's hard and yet absolutely necessary. Be a real person to them. If you, if you understand that um, almost all decisions are made emotionally, and I know you read that great book, How People Decide, and not logically, you know, if you have a sense of humor, Use it. It's okay to be funny and relate to people on a um, a personal level. And I think that's what happens. I know we're all busy, and you know, I think people, our attorneys, are always thinking, "If I'm, am I billing the client for this time?" They're going to be worried about that. But establish um, relationships on the phone. But absolutely nothing beats face to face. You know, I think that that is critical. Can you meet? Can you take? an agent out for coffee after a closing and get a chance to talk. Um, be where the agents are. There's a lot of organizations for uh, real estate agents that attorneys can join. Be where they are, be present. And then um, I guess also if you want to establish a good relationship with an agent, acknowledge good work that they've done. Uh, let them know you've enjoyed working with them and that they did a good job or um, if they're struggling a little bit in the transaction, gently give advice and a little education to the agent in a transaction who might need that kind of guidance. If it's done well and thoughtfully and gently, I think they'll appreciate that that attorney really knows what they're doing and will be going back for more help. So that's one way. And then, of course, the other way is have an event, um, have a party, uh, gather agents yourself um, in terms of showing your expertise. There's a lot of standard things all real estate agents are struggling with. You know, title problems and, you know, all things that are going on with short sales and foreclosures. Now, those are deadly topics. You've got to figure out a way to make it sexy. (laughs) So those are some ideas I've had on just trying to build those initial relationships. Well, and I think those are, you know, really, really great. And I think like if you break those down, it strikes me that we have a couple of things. I mean, one is you have the situation where the attorney has developed some kind of initial 
a contact with the the uh, referring agent already, and that's when you have the opportunity to to do the ask and to you know take the person out for coffee and kind of ex- re or expand that that relationship. And then we have the other one of the other uh, points I think is well, how do you get people in the door to the fir- in the first place where you actually. Uh, have that chance to meet them for the first time, having an event and a party, doing an educational uh, presentation. And and those are, it, it seems to me, very, very important, um, different, uh, but equally important uh, points to make. Now, but, you know, when people, just going back to the ask, I mean, so when people are, are asking a potential referring, you know, agent for, uh, additional, you know, business, what kind of, how should they approach that ask? I mean, is it, is in your opinion, is it a direct ask? Is it a indirect ask? Is it, you know, how, how do you make that kind of ask in a professional way, uh, that doesn't turn off a potential referring agent? That is the key. And I think you have to lean into your own personality, uh-huh. Um, and you have to be comfortable. And I'll tell you, you don't want to come across as schlocky. And everybody has this fear that, you know, I don't like to be asked, so I don't ask. But the fact is, if it's in a helpful way, if it's in, I can provide guidance, you know, I, I have some expertise I'd be glad to share with you. That's an easy route for most people to take. But I don't think everyone takes that as the ask. It is a nice offer. You've opened the door. But I think at the end of the day, you do need to ask for business, but it doesn't have to be like Fast Hands Eddie, you know, <laughs> trying to make a sale. It just simply is, it's really important to me that I develop relationships with competent, good agents like you, and I'd like to ask for your business. Um, please, the next time, um, maybe the current attorney that you work with is conflicted because they're actually representing the other side, and that happens a lot in small communities. Um, would you be willing uh, to give my name out? Ask that. Um, you know, maybe you should find out, no, I have a cadre of attorneys. No, but for the most part, people will be pleasantly surprised or other attorneys will be pleasantly surprised that the answer will be yes. You know, and now you've got them to commit to calling you. And then, of course, is follow up. You know, after you've done the ask, you know, write a personal note and thank them and tell them it was nice to meet them and that you're looking forward to hearing from them. And in the meantime, remind them that you're available to help uh, with any kind of as a resource for a legal question that might come up. Um, and that's follow up again. And then I want to say something else, Rodney. Yeah. And it goes back to the basic hardwiring of attorneys. You know, maybe they should get a little help. You don't need to have a marketing team or a staff, full-time staff person. There's a million stay-at-home moms that are marketing majors. They are college interns. These folks can give them some guidance. Maybe if you just once a month or one day a month or maybe, you know, a few hours a week, someone can be on staff that can kind of do a reach out, that can do follow-up mailings, that can organize a party for you, that can update, and we'll talk about social media in a little bit, I'm sure, but, you know, that can update some of those things that need to happen from a marketing perspective that attorneys don't want to do, but know that are necessary, that are necessary to get done. Well, and I think that makes up a really interesting point, uh, using uh, and outsourcing uh, 
res- uh, and seeking out these resources to do something, one, that many attorneys aren't very good at, two, that they don't necessarily have time to do, but are critical. I mean, because I think what we know from the, you know, all the information out there about marketing is that you have to get your name out in front of people uh, as an expert in an ongoing and consistent manner. Do you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And yeah. if, uh, if attorneys are billing at, you know, $150, $200, an hour, they should not be spending the time doing that. They need to find someone for $15, $20, an hour who will take care of that for them. It's a good division of labor and it makes a lot of sense. And those people understand how to create those brands uh, and what kind of things should be done. There's so many different marketing ideas, and we're not going to get into all those today, but right. having someone on staff that, or just someone, a go-to person outside, that's not going to cost an attorney a lot of money, but that consistently does the work that's done, that needs to be done, uh, I think would be invaluable and a smart investment for an attorney. Yeah. And it strikes me also, you know, that, uh, you know, so you, you have someone, you've hired someone to help you uh, plan events or a, an educational event or a party or whatever. And, and you have a mailing list and you're sending that out. It strikes me that many attorneys don't appreciate the fact that even if they don't get a hundred percent, uh, uh, you know, uh, participation from their mailing list, which you're not going to do. There's value in just getting that postcard in the mail t- in front of a person uh, as a, we do as seminars. A, exactly. We do seminars all the time on how to get the most money to sell your house or how right. to find the opportunities in the market. Some people come to the seminar, but a lot of the business comes from the fact that we branded and marketed that idea. And that is exactly what would happen for good attorneys. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Now, just, and you'd brought this up a second ago, how, you know, the whole idea of social media and technology is changing so quickly. Do you think that's changed the game at all, at least on the local level, for how attorneys are seeking to develop uh, relationships with the potential referring agents? I think attorneys, for the most part, are missing the boat on this completely. Very Uh few of them are engaging. There are some. But that's where the people are. You have to be where your um, potential clients and referring sources are. And if Facebook was a country right now, I think it would be the third largest in the world behind India. So if that's the case, you can't ignore it. Uh, ignoring it is certainly at your peril. And those who aren't embracing change are being marginalized and left behind. But again, it doesn't have to be schlocky. And you don't have to think about putting out great content. You just need to engage. Um, if you're a real estate attorney looking to engage in the real estate community, friending uh, real estate agents is not painful. And just get to know who they are um, and, you know, acknowledge what they're doing and what's happening in their personal lives. Again, this is a relationship building business. But don't Focus on that. I think that's just a small component of where the future is going. You don't want to be left behind. Um, but I don't think anything replaces face-to-face. And that's kind of where I am on social media. But, you know, you every single attorney absolutely must have a LinkedIn profile. If you're going to Google the attorney, the first thing that's going to come up is their LinkedIn profile. This is their chance to position um, how the world knows them. Um, and, of course, re- peer reviews and reviews by clients. You know, is there a lawyer.com profile filled out? I was just looking up an attorney last week, 
There was nothing on lawyer.com. I had no reference point. I didn't know whether my client should be engaging with this person, Um, making sure that those things are filled out and that good clients would take the time to review is going to be a a huge source of business because that's where the business is going. People are going to be looking for um, their colleagues' uh, thoughts on uh, a professional before they engage them so that it would be prudent for any attorney not to ignore those very current and up-to-date social media sites and how the world is about to start working very aggressively. Right. And and it seems to me like, I mean, you know, given Yelp and and the the standard in the industry or the world now is to review stuff or, or and one website out there after another that reviews, you know, from restaurants to attorneys to doctors to real estate agents. And if you're not aware of what you're doing out there, you know, what's out there about you, then you're not engaged enough to be able to protect yourself and market effectively. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's, I, I love the th- thought, though, that in the fact that you say, ultimately, it's the face-to-face. It's the coffee time, the lunch time, when you get to actually know people in a face-to-face relationship over, over the social media relationship. Nothing replaces it. Uh, and that's where you, you, let's face it, we all size each other up. Uh, and we make first, you know, first impressions are important and then getting to dig a little deeper and see what kind of, um, people they are and whether you have that chemistry. That's, yeah. you know, relationships is about chemistry and you should pursue it. So well, I, I know you have other questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's, that's, that's great. But, but you must get some pushback on this whole issue of social media, right? I mean, especially from attorneys about whether they should be engaged in, in social media and, and whether it impacts their business or not. Oh, um, Rodney, for the most part, I find attorneys way behind. Some of them still have horrible re- websites or hardly any, any at all. And and that's probably the first thing, that every attorney out there should be cleaning up their website and getting good direction and just explaining some things. You need a good landing page. People are checking you out. Get that organized. Um, and certainly, if they're on Facebook personally, are they setting up a fan page someplace where they really can put a little content now and then, which of course should be linked to their Twitter account. Um, all those things make sense. And again, you know, if they're not going to embrace and do it or they don't have the time, you know, all it would take is some marketing major spending an hour or two a week um, and a quick phone conversation with the attorney saying, what would you like to talk about? What happened in your day today? What does the world need to know that you're an expert at that you could help them with? Let's create a little content here. I'll put it together. I mean, it would take a 10-minute interview with an attorney on any given day. They've done something that is probably interesting and applies to people that they could share with the world. And and if they're not going to take the time to do it, have someone who will. Right. So it's time for a quick break and a word from our sponsors, Firm Manager by LexisNexis, and we'll be back in just a minute. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. 
If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis for manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dowd, joined by Linda Okineski, broker owner of Remax Heritage in Melrose, Reading, North Reading, and Wakefield, Massachusetts. Linda, this has been a great conversation so far. And now, and I don't want to spend too much on on time on social media because there's obviously tons of information out there about that. But you know, one of the things that I'm always um, kind of stunned by is how little regard some attorneys seem to have as to kind of the perception that's created by either their, um, you know, their dress habits or how their office looks or their organization style or their lack of thereof of organizational style. Now, as a potential referring agent, you know, does that kind of stuff bother you? Yes. Let, Let me be very specific. Yeah. If someone has hired an attorney, and it is shallow, I totally admit, you know, that it should just be about who they are and what they deliver and how good they are to the clients. It's true that's the way it should be, but that is not the way the world works. If an attorney walks in disheveled, disorganized, can't find their cell phone, I mean, I've seen instances and their files are, uh, you know, just a mess or chaotic that is certainly something that is not going to leave the lingering impression they're hoping to have on referral business. When I walk into an office and I can see the files stacked on the floor and loose pieces of paper, that scares the hell out of me. And I'm thinking, do I want my client's files parked here? Hell no. Um, so if, in fact, the office is not something that you would uh, think represents you well, don't invite people into the office. You can go to other people's offices. You can go to the real estate attorneys, I mean, the real estate agent's office for a closing. You can meet someplace else, Panera, Starbucks, I don't care. But that's something you do not want to flaunt, <laughs> would be my, <laughs> would be my uh, very strong suggestion. And it's just as much as just, I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, nothing like a good button down and whether or not you choose to wear a tie for the occasion it leaves an impression. People are spending good money on attorneys. You want to look like someone that they should spend money on. That's my opinion. Right. Humbly it's kind of it is. <laughs> the, the old dress for success book, you know, I mean, and, and I think that there's a lot of truth to be that, to that. Uh, oh, there concept. is. They've yeah. done studies, blue suits versus brown. You know, blue suits are more effective. They inspire more confidence. This is an easy thing to do. Get your uniform on and don't think about it again. I think it's smart. So, what do you, just you know, turning uh, ongoing thing about from you know this outside referring agents' viewpoints, like what are the three or four things that that an attorney can do that will most likely ensure you know that you are going to become and not you in particular, but you know the wide world of professional referral source will 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 become a referring agent. Okay. 
um, what am I looking for in an attorney that I would, um, that would make me want to refer them? Yeah. I guess first thing I, I do look for competency and brain power. Okay. But I'm also looking beyond that. I am looking, and I'm going to admit this for a good soul. You know, there are a lot of nuances in a transaction, and there's always a legal way to proceed or that could be be uh, pursued. But you know what? There's a right way, and um, I see attorneys uh, who follow both paths, but I'm looking for the good soul, the person that's fair-minded, and I want someone who understands the difference because you can protect your client right out of a sale. <laughs> you can um, – here's another thing about attorneys that I look for. I am looking for attorneys who can really distinguish what is in the client's best interest because sometimes the clients very expressly state that they want this done or that done or they won't do this and they shouldn't be expected to do that, which is really not in their own best interest. Clients sabotage themselves regularly and I think we'd all agree that that happens. They don't see the end game. You know, in the middle of a real estate transaction, if they don't want to negotiate on something, never mind the merits of whatever the home inspection issue might be, you know, they can kill a deal. And if their house had been on for four months and they've bought something else, um, it might take another four months to sell. Is not negotiating an $1,800 item really, if it doesn't have merits, in their best interest if they're going to have four more months of mortgage payments? No. And I think attorneys that can steer and put things in context for their clients um, make a big difference. But so often I see attorneys kind of rubber stamp, but this is what the client wants, and isn't providing that context, isn't uh, filling in the missing pieces, isn't help guiding uh, the clients to their own enlightened self-interest. Those are things that really make a big difference to me. Um, additionally, I think, and this is kind of straightforward, I really appreciate high communication and responsiveness, do I need an attorney's cell phone number? No. Uh, and certainly people abuse it. But boy, if they're willing to give it to me and I did have an emergency at an odd time and they could be responsive, wow, that's really powerful. Um, and, and, you know, don't give it to people who might abuse it. But I have on occasion had to call a real estate attorney at odd times of day and on weekends and maybe even a holiday. And if I can get an answer and spare the client misery, sometimes it can be easily done, and I really appreciate that. And then I also need to know that an attorney or his paralegal is really on top of the transaction. Sometimes you call an attorney and you don't even know they have the file, you know? <laughs> and they, right. they, have, they have no idea what's going on. Um, this is my advice to attorneys is um, – Maybe they, they are the kind of attorneys that shouldn't pick up the phone. They should just respond to voicemail because then when they call back, they'll know what is going on. But, you know, when you get caught off guard like that and you have no idea what's going, that's not good. So don't answer the phone if you're not on top of it. Those are those are great points. And I I, I hope that our listeners take those all into uh, – take them to heart because I think they're excellent points. So here's my last question to you. Uh, and – just, you know, what we face in the legal industry, and I mean, it's not just the legal industry, but because of the economy, but we have, you know, hordes of young attorneys who are uh, trying to set up their own practices or working for a firm, but basically being told they have to develop their own client base. Uh, they're young, they're inexperienced, and they need to start developing a referral network. What kind of, what's the one piece of, of key advice that you would give that young professional to start creating that referral uh, 
uh, base? I suspect that most attorneys, even seasoned ones, don't even have a good database of potential clients, um, that they're not organized enough. So I guess the very first thing you need to do is get a good list. Do you have their names, email, um, mailing address, and a phone number to reach them? Start with the basics. There's your sphere of influence. From there, you take on some of these marketing ideas. But, you know, pick up the phone. Call people. You know, invite them either to an event or just let them know again that you're a resource. But reaching out. So organize yourself. Have that sphere of influence. And let's face it, if people are new to the business, the people who know them well might be the last ones who will use them. They know they're not really, uh, they're, they're a little green, right? That they're still puppy attorneys of sorts. So it's going to be the people that you don't know that well who will actually use you. It's the same in real estate or any industry. So reach out to all kinds of people. I don't, you know, everyone that you have contact with, start to think about the people they do business with, their neighbors, um, school chums, uh, uh, friends and parents of those they know and love are all people that um, should be on a good um database and kind of into a contact management system. That's where I would start. Oh, that's great. Great, uh, great advice. Just, Can I uh, add one other quick yeah, thing? Yeah, please. Okay. Please. The other thing that, not in terms of new attorneys so much, but uh, what we're looking for, um, I just want to talk about technology for a quick second. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. In that, I, I, can I announce that faxing is a dinosaur? Um, <laughs> um, I recently had an attorney who didn't have email, but his wife did. If I really needed to get him through email, I thought, that is not what I want to work with. Those are just red flags to someone who's referring. Um, uh, attorneys say have to be able to scan an email. We're using DocuSign now. Things are PDF'd. Um, I really uh, appreciate an attorney that can do red line changes with the other attorneys. These are very simple word document skills that far too few attorneys really know how to use. And it's a 10 minute lesson. Learn how to red line so that you can see the changes easily so that they're easy to circulate within a transaction. It just makes sense. Um, if they're going to work from home, that's fine. I've worked with attorneys that um, work out of their house. They're great. They have the technology and equipment to do it. But if I have to drive the PNS to your house, <laughs> <laughs> right? You're not going to win any friends that way. So I guess that would be the other thing: is uh, be technically equipped to handle it the way today's agents are working. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great point. I can't believe how many attorneys I, I uh, consult with that still do not have it, their own email account. Uh, although if they if they're lucky, they have a very good secretary or wife who can you know kind of function and, and, and take care of that for them. But that uh, is a huge it, signal for the outside it, community yes. that they are dinosaurs and um, they are behind the times. It's not what I'm going to be looking for in an attorney. If they don't have an email account or they insist on faxing, they're just they're automatically scratched from future association unless I get stuck with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up this edition of the On Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. And very special thanks to our guests for joining us today. Linda, always a pleasure. As usual, just full of great information. Uh, and I cannot wait until your marketing book comes out. I, I anticipate that it'll come out in sometime in the next year. Where should our listeners go if they want to find out more about you and Remax Heritage? Uh, well, I'm going to send them to agentexpertise.com or Agent Expertise on Facebook. 
find out what we're up to, come and see our YouTube videos, and that's a great way for um, uh, attorneys to also put themselves out into the world. Uh, you might want to see what we're doing to do that. Excellent, excellent. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. Please feel free to continue this discussion on Twitter, where you can find me at, at Rodney Dow. And I hope you'll join us again on the next on Bill Blower, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.